Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I'm your host, Brian Montez, founder of Scalosity Works and the Entrepreneur to Employer coaching and membership community. So congratulations is in order. If you've built a successful freelance business that has grown to the point where you need to hire, then you have achieved a huge milestone. And if you're already past the point of making your first hire and your team is now growing, well, congratulations is in order to you as well. So regardless of where you are with scaling your team and your business, whether you're at employee number one or employee number 100, this podcast focuses on everything related to people operations. We'll cover best practices, strategies, and solutions to help you build a sustainable and scalable business that is fueled by great people and a great culture. So if you're enjoying listening to this Entrepreneur to Employer podcast, please subscribe, give us a like, and give us a review. Your feedback will help us grow this podcast, and we'll be able to positively impact more employers to help them build better work environments. Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I am your host, Brian Montez, and today we're going to be talking about five hidden red flags that you should never use if you actually want to attract talent. So on the show, we'll keep you updated with the latest trends in HR leadership and organizational effectiveness. Keep tuning in to hear our thoughts on everything from how to find great team members to how to keep them engaged and how to lead and develop that high-performing team. But first, let's think about that last job you posted. What was the size of your candidate? Were you expecting 50, 60, 70 candidates and you got three or four? Well, at the end of the day, we can always step back and we can blame everything but us. It's a tight job market. There's a war for talent. Nobody wants to work. There's a lot of excuses that we can make for why we're not getting candidates for our opening. But we really need to take a step back and look internally at what we can control because there are hidden red flags that sit in our job descriptions and sit in our job recruitment postings all day long. There's five of them that we're going to go over today. We're going to talk about the unclear or ambiguous salary range. We're going to talk about misaligned job qualifications. We're going to talk about misaligned job titles. We're going to talk about that unfavorable culture, red flags in your posting that may show somebody that your culture is a little bit disorganized or dysfunctional. And last but not least, unclear job duties and expectations. Let's get into it. Unclear or ambiguous salary range. I am a big proponent of putting your compensation on your job posting. There's a lot of good reasons to do it. Now, we've heard all of the nuances to what compensation is when people do not want to put the actual compensation out there. Creative compensation descriptions are wide-ranging, right? Quote, depends on experience. Quote, compensation is competitive. Quote, compensation is commensurate with experience. What does this mean? It means the organization has a specific compensation number that they would like to get somebody for, which usually means it's going to be under fair market value. Now, the reasons to list a salary are wide ranging and good for people operations, as well as just a good business practice. So there's two categories to listing the salaries. One is the benefits to the future employee and two are the benefits to you as the employer. So on the benefits to the employee side, you have to remember Everything you do has to be done from the position of what's in it for them. Why should they come work for us and work for me? You have to be able to answer those questions and articulate them in order to attract the best talent. So benefits to future team members, there's five of them. Number one, it's going to increase your trust and transparency in you as the employer from the beginning of the relationship. Remember this, the relationship begins not at the time that they start with you, but at the time they find your opportunity. Start researching your company on Glassdoor, on Indeed, and everywhere else that they can do due diligence about you. That is when your relationship starts with them. Second, it's going to decrease the likelihood of gender or racial wage gap. 
it's going to increase equity regardless of the final candidate selected. Because at the end of the day, you have established a fair market value for that position and you're going to pay that regardless of the candidate. This is also, if you already have employees, it's going to increase your transparency across employees within the company. Because basically it makes so that there's no secrets about what that position pays and what that new employee is going to be getting. Number four, it's going to provide your prospective candidates a good tool for gauging their interest in the position. They can look at the job description, they can look at the opportunity, and they can look at the compensation and decide, is it worth my time to pursue this? Last but not least, it's going to save the candidate time in needing to research that likely salary and range for the position. Now, most likely, people are going to do their own due diligence anyway, as they should, and they're going to research your job, your job title, your job posting, and try and determine what is fair market value for that role. The plus to this is if they do that and it matches close to the compensation package that you've put out there on the job posting, that now gives you increased credibility. They're going to look at that and go, wow, this particular organization has done their homework. They're paying for market value. I feel good about moving forward with this opportunity. Now, benefits to the employer. There's a couple of key benefits that you as the employer will get by being transparent about your compensation package in the job posting. Number one, it's going to weed out candidates that would not accept a job offer within your plan budget. It's going to save you time and prevent other great candidates from leaving the candidate pool because your search time has now become extended. So think about it. If you do not put your compensation out there and you have a great candidate come in, your your number one candidate, and you're in discussions and say 10 days go by, right? You've had two or three conversations, things are going back and forth, and now 10 days have passed. And you finally get to the compensation side of the discussion. And that particular candidate goes, yep, nope, not working for that number. And they walk away. You've now lost 10, 12 days and some other great candidates very well may be gone. Of course, that also may require you to take a deeper look at your compensation and make sure that you are gauging it against fair market value. But the second benefit to you as the employer is this. It's going to encourage candidates to apply who may not have interest without knowing the salary range. People are very protective of their time as they should be. The mindset is, if this employer cannot even tell me what the compensation is going to be before we start the conversation, well, probably not worth my time. All right. The second red flag that we want to discuss is those pesky misaligned job qualifications. So misaligned job qualifications are going to be a red flag because they're going to look at the job title. They're going to look at the job qualifications and something is going to make them concerned about it. There's two potential ways for job qualifications to be misaligned. Job qualifications that do not align with the actual requirements of the job can be extreme. It can seem deliberate. Sometimes it's an honest mistake by the company when they just draft the job description. But regardless, if those job qualifications do not align with the actual requirements of the job, people will see through that and that will become a red flag for them. So how do you deal with this? Well, examine your stated duties and responsibilities. Before you even get that job posting out there, internally, you need to work through what will this individual be doing on a day-to-day basis? What does success look like? What do I expect out of them? Then take that and look at the requirements that you are drafting up and ask yourself, are these requirements truly necessary for completion of the duties and responsibilities? Also ask yourself, is it possible that someone who does not check all these boxes might be able to perform the responsibilities? At the end of the day, there is no ideal candidate. So there's going to be some flex there, right? None of us are ideal. None of us are perfect. So you need to ask yourself, where is there some wiggle room in this? The other thing we need to discuss is the college degree. There is a big movement right now, and it's it's a great movement in my opinion, that college degrees are not as relevant as they used to be. There are a lot of careers that you could have out there without a four-year formal degree and $150,000 in student loan debt. 
So, I mean, you might like your customer service team to have college degrees, but is there truly something in their day-to-day responsibilities that cannot be done without that degree? Right? I mean, can you be a high-performing customer service representative without a four-year degree from an Ivy League school? Absolutely. So in this case, consider adding desired qualifications and assess them as a nice-to-have but not required. Or maybe just leave it off altogether. Now, similarly, asking for supervisory experience for a position where the position is truly not a management or leadership role is a red flag. It's nice to have somebody join your organization that may have some leadership capabilities that you can coach, develop, and and grow into management and leadership. But if the role you're hiring does not require supervisory management or leadership as part of the day-to-day job, but asking for that supervisory experience as part of the recruitment process, that's a problem. That's going to weed out a lot of good people. You know, at the end of the day, when you have these wide-ranging job requirements that make it very challenging for candidates to live up to, savvy candidates are going to see through that and they're going to think your organization is truly unclear about what the role is and what they're looking for. And they're going to move on and look for other opportunities. So job qualifications that do not align with the likely candidates for the job, the slight nuance here is that it relates to having reasonable expectations for your candidate pool. You know, in some cases, you might post qualifications that align with responsibilities somewhat well, but are still worded in such a way that it's going to weed out a high percentage of great candidates. For example, entry-level positions are not going to have three to five years of experience. That is something that we need to stop having happen out there where these job postings go out there and we put it as entry-level, we put an entry-level compensation package together, and then we want three to five years of experience. Entry level means they do not have experience. This is their first job out of high school, their first job out of college, their first job ever, or their first job in the particular field or skill set that they're going after. Maybe they're making a transition in careers. Okay, that is entry level, not three to five years of experience. So even more particularly, consider how recent the skill set or system in question is. If it's a new technology, that skill and the years of experience may be even harder to find. All right, number three a misaligned job title. We see these all the time. First one is the inflated job title. So similar to that second red flag, this involves you going back and scanning your full job posting for consistency. Does your job title truly align with the day-to-day responsibilities of the job? Or have you inflated that job title to make it look better, make the organization look bigger than it is, for whatever reason? Now, some organizations consider job titles as a benefit. So hiring someone as a director role, offers them a sense of importance and value and can accelerate their career. However, if they are not truly leading a team or an initiative or have that true day-to-day responsibility as a director, then that job title is not aligned with the job responsibilities and therefore it is overinflated. And this will hurt them moving forward because if they decide to go for another opportunity and cannot articulate in that next interview their day-to-day responsibilities in alignment with that title of director, Other hiring managers will see through that as well. So you're actually doing them a disservice by doing this. I mean, in some cases, the tactic may work, but there's a lot of risks to doing it. And we just, I just don't recommend it. But number one, a lot of people do it as they're first starting to hire because they feel that they don't have the brand or the recognition to get those great candidates. So they they do it in the very beginning as that organization is starting to grow and add employees. But it's going to be hard to continue offering those titles to individuals that are not in true leadership roles. I mean, once that precedent is set, it's hard to stop, but you can't continue as you add more and more employees to continue this practice. And I will tell you this, savvy candidates will recognize this as a tactic, and they will know that the responsibilities and the job title do not line up. And the reality is this, 
Good candidates applying for leadership positions are going to want the actual hands-on experience of that leadership role because they need that to promote and advance and move their career along. So if your job title does not align with that responsibility level, then you really are harming that particular individual. The other thing we see are what we call minimized job titles. So this is a whole different issue. A different set of risks arises if that level of responsibility associated with the job exceeds the job title. Let me say that again. A different set of risks will arise if the level of responsibility associated with the job duties exceed the job title. Individuals search for jobs based on title. You may attract candidates based on the job title only rather than the actual responsibilities. So thus, those that are truly not qualified for the job may apply. Also, most candidates are going to recognize the challenging nature of the job and not be willing to settle for a job title that does not align with that job responsibility. So your job title very much needs to be in sync with those job responsibilities. And then, of course, we also see the buzzword job titles. You know, many companies today like to hire the social media guru, the HR ninja, the advertising rock star, right? We've seen all those buzzwords out there. And yes, this may attract some candidates, but it's also likely to alienate a lot of people who would prefer to have a job title on their resume and on their LinkedIn profile that they don't feel is embarrassing or is a stretch. So this leads us to red flag number four, the unfavorable or unhealthy organizational culture. In the culture section, fun job titles are one sign of a potentially unfavorable culture. Buzzwords pop up in job postings far too often. And many job descriptions today ask for individuals who, quote, hustle, are, quote, rock stars, or wear many hats. Now, granted, in small organizations, we do have to wear a lot of hats and be flexible and do a lot of things. But there's a way for us to go about setting that expectation and defining that. Being in a lean organization where somebody has to wear a lot of hats and, and be flexible is not a blank check for running them ragged, making them work 90 hours a week, and creating that hustle culture. A few red flags, they may be a little bit less obvious, but a few red flags we see are the buzzwords fast-paced. Yes, your organization may be fast-paced, so yes, it's okay to say that. However, overemphasizing this as a trait that's required for success is going to make somebody feel like or give them a red flag of, okay, I'm going to be overworked here, deadlines are constantly going to change, expectations are going to constantly change, and I may never be able to meet expectations. So be careful when you utilize the term fast-paced. Make sure you define what is fast-paced in your environment and what are the expectations of working in a fast-paced environment. Flexible. You know, in this day and age, really one of the keys to recruiting, attracting, and retaining talent is giving them a flexible environment, a flexible work environment. But again, with that flexibility, the counter side of that is we expect employees and team members to be flexible, right? Take on more job responsibilities. Do this, do that and start to stretch them thin again. So overemphasis of the term flexible can suggest a work environment where individuals will be regularly asked to do jobs of others or work outside their regularly scheduled jobs and responsibilities. Now that can be tempered within a job description to explain what type of flexibility is appreciated in the organization. So set the expectations on flexibility. Third, and we've seen this, believe it or not, is the term that employees need to have a thick skin. So a job description asking someone to have a thick skin is likely to send them a message that they will not receive feedback. If they do receive it, they're going to need to be accustomed to being insensitive, unprofessional, and a whole host of other things. So asking future employees to have a thick skin is just a deal breaker. Last but not least, the fifth and final red flag we're going to discuss today is the unclear job duties. So when posting a job description, especially for new positions, there may be unknowns. There's always going to be unknowns. Business is growing. Things are changing on a day-to-day basis. 
However, candidates should still be able to read that job description and understand what the day-to-day will generally look like. If you don't have the day-to-day figured out for what you're expecting out of this new candidate, how do you expect them to succeed? If that candidate is able to take your job description and have a family member or friend read the job posting, can they explain the job to you? If so, how far off are they? Have other people read that job posting and tell you if they understand it. So someone with experience and expertise will, of course, have a better understanding, but even someone outside the industry should be able to read your job description and understand the fundamentals of the duties and the expectations that you have set. So a job posting with unclear job duties is going to send a red flag to potential candidates that the organization does not have the job clearly defined, and it is likely they will make it up as they go along. Organizations that are starting to grow quickly, you need to get those job descriptions flushed out and be very clear about what you want out of that role. Otherwise, all you're doing is setting that person up to fail. And at the end of the day, good candidates are going to see through this in the job posting and they're going to go apply somewhere else. Well, thank you for listening to today's podcast on the five things and the five red flags you need to be thinking about in your job posting and job recruitment. So before we go, help out our podcast by leaving us a review. Stay tuned for next week and we'll discuss a whole new topic on how you can build your entrepreneur to employer business. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast today. We have a free resource for you. Download our free workbook with the 18 questions that a transitioning entrepreneur to employer needs to ask and answer before making that first hire. The link to your free resource is in the show notes. And last but not least, subscribe to this podcast and give us a review. The more we grow this entrepreneur to employer community, the more we can make sure that Mondays, or any day of the week for that matter, don't suck.